morning, everyone. Do you want to take a wee opportunity just to turn around to the person beside you, in front of you, behind you, and say Happy New Year to them, if you haven't had a chance to do that already? Okay. So New Year's Day, 1st January, as Marcus said, a day of decisions and a day of resolutions, a, a day that kind of naturally lends itself to reflection and renewal. And on this, the kind of first day of uh, 2017, and, and as we launch our 40 days, we're going to have the next one there, Andrew, as we launch our 40 days, my prayer for us individually and corporately is that we would experience, and then the next one, Andrew, we would experience personal and collective renewal. And in fact, I, I kind of want to go further. I am hoping and praying for a revival of, of me and of us in this new year, and particularly during these 40 days. And, and this desire is heavily influenced by my reading of Nehemiah 8, our timely text for today, because in this chapter that we're about to look at, the people of God are renewed and revived in their faith. And if you're here this morning and you need that, you recognize the need for renewal and revival in your own walk with God, then I, I really encourage you to listen carefully to God's word this morning from Nehemiah chapter 8. It's been six weeks since our last venture into this book. And so if you have a Bible with you, and because we're back at Windsor, there are pew Bibles, and I encourage you to grab a copy of, of the pew Bible. It's page 492. We're going we're gonna to read Nehemiah 8, or at least a large section of it together, and we're going to do what we often do here at Windsor, and hopefully today this will make even more sense than it normally does. We're going to stand together for the public reading of God's Word, so please stand with me beginning at verse 1 of Nehemiah 8. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra, the teacher of the law, stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood a group of people. Ezra, too early in the year. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. They bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then the Levites 
instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people understood what was being read. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest, and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they had listened to the words of the law. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some of those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to your Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. And down to verse 18, day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law of God. Grab a seat. How, here's a question, how, how does this book feature in your day-to-day life? How does this book feature in your day-to-day life? What part does it play? When and how do you read it? Now, I guess most of us would probably admit that we need to and should read it more. We should read it more regularly and more intentionally. And I also appreciate that when it comes to the issue of reading God's Word, it's not difficult to make any or all of us feel weak or weak, or to feel guilty or got at. But that's not my aim today. But one of the striking features of this chapter in Nehemiah is the place of God's Word in their renewal and their revival. The place of God's Word. And I honestly and passionately believe that if we can mirror and reflect their story with regard to Scripture, if we can embrace the four things that I'm about to share based on what happens here, then we can experience renewal and revival ourselves. And so what I'm going to do is share, if you like, four ingredients, four marks of spiritual revival and renewal, and they all relate to this. And the first ingredient is, next one please, Andrew, is an appetite for God's Word. You see, as these people came together, their unanimous heart cry was for Ezra, who was one of their key leaders, to bring the book. Bring the book. Bring God's Word or what they had of it. Why? Because they wanted to hear it. In fact, they virtually demanded to hear it. And we've said it time and time again, but the importance of regular reading and feeding on Scripture in Christian life and discipleship can never be underestimated or played down. This, this is our daily sustenance. If we're going to survive and thrive, this absolutely has to be part of our daily intake and diet. As the writer of Deuteronomy and subsequently Jesus made clear, we live on every word 
that comes from the mouth of God. We, we live on this. This, if you like, is our daily bread. This is what sustains, this is what nourishes, and there will always be a direct correlation between a drop in spiritual health and growth and a drop or a reduction in Bible reading. And I say that speaking personally. And I also say that speaking as a pastor. One of the common traits of spiritual decline, of a loss of passion, of spiritual drift, is the neglect of reading Scripture. There's a direct correlation. Has been in my own life. Has been in the lives of many people I know. And that to some might, might sound, well, that's just a bit extreme. You're exaggerating, David. But if these are truly God-breathed divine words, and, and I recognize that, that not everybody believes that, but if these honestly are God-breathed divine words that have been given to us for our instruction, for our correcting, for our teaching, and for our training, then without these, we will not live. We won't last. We won't stay the course. We won't grow or mature. And if you're here this morning and you are a Christian and you recognize and you accept that daily personal Bible reading is a missing or a reducing practice, then can I encourage you on the first day of 2017 to resolve to change that? to resolve to change that, to make choices, to reintroduce this book into your day-to-day -day rhythm and routine. See, the people of God in Nehemiah 8 were in need of renewal and revival, and the first step in re-seeking God was a heart cry and a re-desire for Scripture. God's Word as they had it. And I invite you to echo that, to recommit yourself on this, the first day of a new year, recommit yourself to this book. Which is one of the reasons why we have included a daily Bible reading plan this time round in our 40 days. Those of you who maybe have got one of these with you or have picked up one of these will have seen that. Because we want all of us to kind of read and pray together. And therefore, what we're inviting you to do, and it's set out here, we're inviting you to join us in reading through Scripture, normally two chapters a day. Today it was Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. Two chapters a day approximately per day for the next six weeks. Now, I know some people are saying that that's a big challenge for many people. And I realize some of you do this already or you read a portion of Scripture each day, but for the next 40 days, and I'm, I'm encouraging you to embrace this idea. Embrace this reading plan. Do it alongside what you already do if you're committed to that. But for this season, can I encourage us personally and collectively, almost as a kind of community Bible read, to read right through the story of the Bible. We're not going to read the entire Bible in 40 days, but if you follow this reading plan, you will read the big story of the Bible in 40 days. The key purpose of this, it's not to join a project. It's not to do something different for different sake. The core reason for doing this is to hear God 
speak to us through his written word. It's to feed our all too often forgotten souls. It's to provide time and space to listen and to absorb life-giving, life-sustaining text, to allow God's word to regularly get into our spiritual bloodstream and allow it to shape us and inform us and form us, to realign us, to renew us, to revival. As James Merritt once said, the next one, Andrew, the primary purpose of reading the Bible is not to know the Bible, but it's to know God. This is about renewed relationship. The people of God asked Ezra, Ezra, bring the book. And it's that desire, it's that hunger, it's that craving which is a feature of revival and renewal. And this morning, if you identify with that, or you want to develop a greater appetite for God's Word, then on this New Year's Day, I'm asking you to put down a marker. I'm asking you to make a conscious decision right now to take time each day in 2017 to read this book, or at least for the next 40 days. Let's move on. Because the second ingredient of revival and renewal, Andrew, the next one, is a right attitude, and specifically a right attitude towards God and his word. You see, how we read It's not just about reading. How we read and how we approach this book is vitally important. In Nehemiah 8, the people, it says, listened attentively. Verse 3. They gave this. They gave these moments their full and their undivided attention. And notice that they listened to God's word being read from daybreak to noon. That's six hours. Six hours. And they did that every day for a week. And when it comes to Bible reading, the way we do it and the way we approach doing it matters. We've got to give it our best. We've got to do it at a time when we're the most alert. We've got to listen attentively and carefully to every word and phrase. A couple of chapters a day will take roughly Most people, 10 minutes max. That's something like 5% of the time these people read or listened to the reading of God's Word. I I, I read another thought during the week that someone has said that if, if most people would exchange their TV time for Scripture reading, they would finish reading the entire Bible in four weeks. Now, I don't say that to make anyone feel bad, God, or suggest that you stop watching that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just making the point that we have time. We have time. It's not about making time. It's about taking the time we have. But attitude matters. Attitude matters. The people listened attentively, but another insight into attitude concerns their posture. The minute God's word was opened, verse 5, they stood for six hours. And there's something here about reverence and respect. There's something here about acknowledging that this isn't just 
another book. This isn't just another piece of literature. These are not mere words on a page. These are different words. These are God words. These are God-breathed words. This isn't just about receiving information. This has the potential for transformation. And this is why we stand at Windsor for the public reading of God's Word. It's based on Nehemiah chapter 8. It's why we've done it for the eight plus years now that I've been here. And I'm not suggesting that you go, you go away from here and, and you stand for personal Bible reading, although why not from time to time? Why not? But this practice that we do here, it, it's not a gimmick. It's not even a neat idea, although it is. It's grounded in a biblical incident. The people, of a God, the people of God were attentive. They listened attentively. They're standing. But look at verse 5 for, for further, further insights into attitude because before Ezra started reading from God's word, it says he praised the Lord, the great God. As he looked down, he looked up. He acknowledged the author. He acknowledged his character and his majesty. And then immediately it says the people responded. It says they lifted their hands. And they said, Amen, Amen, so be it, so be it. And again, this is about approach and it's about attitude. They realized that what they were about to do, that what they were about to hear was potent. It was dynamic. It was important. It was life-altering. And so they were prepared. They were standing, hands raised and saying, Amen, Amen. We worship you, God. We join with Ezra in worshiping you for giving us your word, for speaking to us through your word. And it doesn't end there because then we read end of verse 6 that they bowed down and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. They hit the floor in worship and admiration out of reverence and respect. And again, I'm not suggesting we need to do that every time we prepare to hear or read Scripture, but maybe physical posture, whether standing or lying prostrate signifies a right attitude before God from time to time, even as a one-off. So the first ingredient for renewal and revival, the first ingredient, it's an appetite for God's word. Do you have that hunger this morning? The second ingredient is a right attitude, a right approach to God's word. And the third, Andrew, is a commitment to engage with God's word. In verse 8, we find God's word being explained and people being helped to understand each passage. In other words, this involved a commitment to get to grips with meaning, to study carefully and dig deeper. People wanted to learn, and there were those around them who were willing to teach them. And engaging with Scripture remains a highly valuable discipline. Being prepared to come to church and hear teaching is part of this. Personal study and further reflection via commentaries and books and online resources is another. But at the heart of this is a commitment, a commitment I want to learn, I want to discover, I want to know more. And then the final ingredient is a willingness to respond to God's word. 
You see, our aim, as, as Calvin put it, not somebody I quote very often, but our aim, as Calvin put it, should always be to transform our lives by Scripture. It's not just about reading it. It's not even just about engaging with it. It's about being transformed through reading it. And here in this incident, there are, there are a number of personal and corporate responses, and I just want to mention two, and the first is, and the next one, Andrew, the first is repentance, or a genuine sorrow over sin. You see, in verse 9, we read that all the people began weeping as they heard God's word. You see, God's word didn't just capture their minds, it impacted their emotions, it moved them. And as they reflected, and as they processed what they were hearing, they were deeply challenged before God, and they were reduced to tears. And their, their lives clearly weren't what or where they should be. And so they broke down when they heard the words of the Lord, the end of verse 9. And it's that contrite response, it's that repentant reaction that's surely a key mark or ingredient of revival and renewal. And maybe this morning that needs to be part of my, it needs to be part of your response to God's word. You need to repent. You need to confess. You need to realign your heart to God. You need to reconnect. But notice another response, the next one, Andrew, is joy. Nehemiah and the Levites encouraged the people not to stay and remain in the place of tears, but to know that the joy of the Lord was their strength, verse 10, and that because they had heard God's words, because they had understood God's word, they were to know joy and they were to celebrate with great joy, which they did. You see, God's word, when it's read, when it's listened to, when it's engaged with, when it's obeyed, it brings joy, real deep, abiding, life-affirming, faith-strengthening joy. If you want to know true joy in 2017, then factor in God's word to your day-to-day -day life. I need to finish because we said we're going to finish a bit earlier. Today's the beginning of a new year. It's the beginning of our 40 days. And so in response to God's word this morning, and if you are here and you do sense or you recognize the need for renewal or revival in your own life, particularly with regard to God's word, if you're here this morning and you recognize that, sense that, then I invite you to do a few things. The next slide, Andrew. I invite you to acknowledge your hunger before God for his word and resolve to follow this reading plan for the next 40 days. Acknowledge your appetite. Secondly, check your attitude and your approach to God and his word. How did you, and again, I'm not trying to get, how did you approach hearing God's word being read and taught this morning? Third thing, Demonstrate your willingness to respond to God's word. Repent if necessary, or just experience the joy of hearing and understanding scripture. And the fourth thing, commit yourself to engaging with God's word, to seeking insight, to digging deeper, to learning more. And we're gonna sing two songs to close our service. I'm going to invite the guys to come forward here at the minute. And we're going to remain seated for the, for the first song. And the first song is How Deep the Father's Love. But if you sense a challenge in this whole area today, 
or if you would find this helpful, I am going to invite you to respond in some way that puts a marker down on this resolution day. I'm not going to be prescriptive. I'm not going to suggest one response that leaves anyone feeling uncomfortable. Please hear me on this. I simply want to invite you to do something before God this morning that indicates your intention. Now, as we sing this song, that may mean for some people they will stand. They want to stand as putting down a marker. We're all going to stay seated, but if you want to, want to stand as a way of indicating putting down a marker, stand. If during this song you want to nail, nail. If during this song you want to put your face to the floor, put your face to the floor. For others, it may mean bowing your head in prayer. For others, it may mean lifting your hands. All of those responses and reactions to God's Word are in this chapter. But I want to give you an opportunity to begin this new year and these 40 days resolved to know God and His Word better in 2017. And so, as we sing how deep the Father's love and we keep our seats, I'm just encouraging you to take an opportunity to put a marker down. How deep the Father's love.